Welcome along to Scoreline Extra, another absolutely action-packed weekend of sport here at KCLR Live Sport. If you missed any of our sporting conversations over the weekend, we've got you covered right here on the latest edition of Scoreline Extra. Today, you're going to hear post-match interviews from Kilkenny's Walsh Cup tie with Wexford. We'll hear from both managers there. Also, post-match from Moonkine and Shamrock's All-Ireland matchups. Eddie Scally speaks to us about Tayeste's Day, which is happening this coming Thursday. We speak with Pat T and Leinster GEA chairman about cocaine abuse within GEA and the wider community. Davy Jones talks all things fitness. Greyhound talk with Joe Sheehan. Over the top wrestling owner Joe Cabre speaks about Scrapper Mania 6, an event two years in the making. And Ollie O'Neill speaks to us on the passing of Irish Boxing Hall of Famer Noel Kyo. First up, here's the post-match reaction from Kenny Walsh Cup tie, which was a draw with Wexford. Brian, it was a good game to watch. I don't know what it was like as a manager, but in the end you were a bit unlucky. Just scoring differences to prove to a place in the World Cup final. But other than that, some positives to take out of that. Ah, yeah, I suppose it's really more about today's game. Like, you know, I mean, the, at the end of the day, it was a draw and it means we're not in the Welsh Cup final but I think that's the end of the world either you know it's the fact that the most pleasing aspect of the game I suppose is the fact that we fought back into the game well it appeared like it could be going away from us to build up a bit of a lead but we, we fought back well very very well even took the lead and went and just Final result was a draw, and we'd be happy that we didn't. We didn't. We, we just didn't accept defeat. We kept at it and kept going. And two weeks to the league now, so it just that's coming up quick, quick and strong. Antrim in the first game, Tipperary in the second, so no rest for the wicket, Brian. No, no, too good. I mean, straight away that's that's the game. But I mean, that's what you want. Good games. Obviously, all teams are now in serious training, so that's that's it's all about preparation, eventually for the championship. But the league is, of course, a hugely important um, competition as well. You got a chance to look at a right few players over the last few weeks as well which was great and a few of them showed promises as well and uh, the experience as well there was a few experienced players today changed it around a little so you got a chance to do a bit of work yeah absolutely for sure like I mean you know like like all teams we have a pretty big as well as training panel at the moment and players are given an opportunity and to realise I mean that the panel will have to be um, cut as the time goes on because you can't carry huge numbers right through the, right through the whole year so the competition for places is strong and the battle is on for places on that ok you'll have a close eye on the Shamrocks tomorrow I suppose on the oh, semi-final and one kind of course yeah of course yeah we'll be, we'll be well, two serious games obviously can't go to both but um, I, I will be watch. I'll be there in Torres for sure tomorrow a huge should be two huge games and it's very very interesting to see how to go. Okay, look forward to seeing you in Nolan Park against Antrim Brian and certainly against Tipperary. We look forward to the league and well done on a good Walsh Cup campaign and commiserations on losing out narrowly uh, on scoring differences. Cheers, Brian, and thanks for that. Well done, Dara. Good day. You're in the final. Yeah, yeah, look, it was a great workout. Very, very happy with it, to be honest. And uh, you know, lots of elements of our play were, were good. Um, 22nd of January and it's top class, top class conditions, nice and you know, no no major cold in it. The pitch was in good nick, and we're we're just happy that we got two two scores near the end to get us back, get us a draw, and get us into the final for next week. And before or at the end, you knew the story of the scoring averages. There seemed to be a bit of confusion because even though it seemed to be a semi-final, it was a group match, but Wexford advanced on scoring differences. Yes, it was a group game, and we knew that it was run on a league basis, so. Um, not that we were still panicking trying to get that point at the end but uh, that, uh, look ultimately it's, it's great to have another game next weekend to prepare for the league campaign and 225 is a great return yeah yeah and again again look we won three quarters out of four of that game but what we really really need to work on over the next while over the next while is the the 
you know, the, the period where Kenny just got way on top of us and we couldn't, you know, we couldn't wrestle it back. Now we did well, as I said, at the end to get the two scores, but I would be, we've still an awful lot of work to do on what our, when our shape and structure goes, we, we seem to be under a bit of pressure, so we've good good bit of stuff in the training pitch to tidy up. Well, best of luck next week and the best of luck in your first round match against Limerick. I'll say it'll be full house here at Chadwick Wexford Park, so well done for that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks a million. Thank, Thank you. Thanks so much. Best of luck. Thanks. Wexford advancing now to the final. Here's all the post-match reaction from Shamrock's game against St. Thomas. Uh, James, congratulations. Uh, you're after pulling out of the fire now. I think that's probably the fourth time this year. But a win is a win and you keep winning. And you probably didn't play your best hurling, but you won the match. Yeah, look, right. in fairness, I suppose, look, started slow in the game. Uh, disappointed a little bit with the first half, especially the amount of possession we won. Um, I just I thought we weren't working hard enough in the first half first. Uh, but got them in at half time, uh, made a couple of switches and brought ourselves back into the game again a little bit more. But, you know, in fairness to Thomas, they threw absolutely everything at us. Made made life hard for us over the 60 minutes without a shadow of a doubt um, and I suppose into the last 15 minutes we pushed a little bit more forward and ran at him a little bit more up front and you know look we created the, the penalty with Colin and uh, that gave us our first goal and then look down in the last dying minute again you know um, we'll say when we got the free inside and TJ stands up you know just left of the 21 yard line and sticks inside in the back of the net yeah. What did you make of the penalty? Some people felt it might have been harsh. I called it as a penalty. Michael Walsh thought it wasn't. Other people in the press didn't think. I know managers on the line, you don't get a full view of it. But the moral of the story, you got the penalty and you scored it and you had to score it. But uh, a talking point. Yeah, now look, from the sideline where I was, and I was, you know, 45 yards, uh, out, I suppose, away from it, um, I thought it was a penalty. Um, he was the last man left inside and uh, I just thought, I, th- I thought he would have pulled him down. But um, look... TJS took the penalty well um, and again it was always going to come down to it was a bit like it was a bit like the Leinster semi-final against Rhinos and uh, it you know, came down to the dying seconds again for us you know um, a tough way to be watching a game from the sideline doing that but like look we have a tradition of doing it and I, for some reason we do it in semi-finals all the time yeah. you know um, we just kind of you know we don't probably bring our A game um, and if I was disappointed with today that was probably what I was disappointed with most in fairness, look, the lads show the character that they have um, in these games, and like they're never beaten un- until the whistle is blown. Like you know, they've done this on numerous occasions, so it's nothing new to them. But like I do know, we're going to have to bring a lot stronger game to uh, against Ballygunner in three weeks' time. You've just preempted it's Ballygunner. You're a proud Waterford man. It's Waterford opposition. I know you're Liz Moorman, but Ballygunner have been the creme de la creme down there over the last number of years. It's going to be a great battle, but it's going to be a massive day for you, James. It's a massive day. Look, it's just a massive day for for the team, the club, and especially me. Um, look, I know Ballygunner very well. Uh, I've suffered uh, a lot of losses uh, to him over the years, unfortunately, um, as a player and a manager. Um, um, but now I'm getting a, a crack at him in an all-out and final, which is a, a different scenario um, for both of us because this is their first as well, you know. And um, sometimes, you know, sometimes you got to lose one to win one, and I hope that's going to be the case. Um, but look, 
I think everybody, I think every neutral in the country wants to see Ballygunner and Ballyhill in a final. Um, they they were tipped to be the two strongest teams at the start of the year, and that's the way it's after panning out. So um, it should be a great spectacle in three weeks' time. Okay, and before I let you go, you have the three weeks, but you have a few injuries now. So how worrying was it after today? Anything really serious? Um, look, I should only be I suppose tomorrow morning before I really know uh, the extent of the damage. But look, we had two lads who came after with injuries. Uh, we also have Ronan Corcoran um, who broke a hand. Uh, only a week ago so would, like, would he make it three weeks enough for him to try and get back to be very 50-50 right. I'll be honest yeah. with you very 50-50 Brendan uh, but look he'll be mad to play as well and he was a massive loss out there today I thought as well you know because he's great in those rocks and winning that dirty ball but look um, look again we'll review and assess everything over the next day or two um, and try to get everyone on that field as, as much as we can in three weeks time James well done your uh, Lazarus like performances but uh, managers are there to do a job you've done a great job you're in an All-Ireland final congratulations and thanks for everything so far this year and I can't wait for Croke Park in three weeks time not at all Brendan an absolute ple- pleasure thanks a million good man thanks thank you well thanks done. Brendan well done well done there's pure luck I'm, I'm sure there's someone up there looking down on me so they are uh, but look just, just massive relief uh, massive relief um, you know to see just, there was some difference when the Lens the final by 15 points in terms of celebrating and in terms of you know winning by a point yeah. uh, there's so, some difference and the joy the joy on, on, on everyone's faces because that's what sport is all about when you're when you're put to the pin of the collar in a dog fight and you come out on top it's a massive relief, relief. a man of your calibre you know you said to yourself I have to score this goal we're down we need a goal the time is up you know what what was actually going through your mind did you, did you pick your spot before you hit it what what did you do what was preparation like? a lot of young fellas listen now young <laughs> girls come on how do you do it? Uh, just bury it, uh, you know. Um, Go low. Um, no, look, I'm, um, I asked the referee, you know, how I was there for me. He said 30 seconds. So I said, look, my um, only one option is to strike this as hard as I could. And look, just, just I struck it on the on the sweet spot. And um, I knew the minute I struck it, there's a fair chance it was going in. I actually didn't see the ball going in because I was concentrating on my strike. And um, I just seen the net um, rattle. And I went through a few bodies, and you know, and, and times like that. You know, it's nearly it's nearly worse having um, loads of bodies on the goal because it's very hard to um, remove around and twist and turn. Lads are blocked off, so I knew if I struck it, because there was probably four or five lads there together. Well, you were 22 yards out as well. Yeah, and I said I was striking in the middle of them because because it's very hard to to move and to get and, and to get a block on it. Um, but look, it's just just um, obviously just just um, blessed. Finally went well too. Ah uh, yeah, yeah, you know I struck that well too. But um, last night I'm relieved now because last night I put I put the the bosh of the hurl in the bucket of water last night just to put, add more weight to the bosh and it just shows difference on, on the two strikes I had that they went off um, lovely on me OK, final question I know you said it to Liam and the journalist there a moment ago like you said you got out of jail twice I think you got out of jail three times St. Ryan is extra time Mount Leinster Rangers and Carlow in the semi-final and mm. you certainly got out of jail today Yeah, we did look, and, and I suppose you know, I think t- people and maybe spectators are expecting us to beat teams by 10, 15 points all the time so I think people have to forget that that um, you know we're going to be we're going to be um, I suppose brought to the wire at, at some stages and um, and teams are going to do as much as they can to try and beat us and um, and those games are tough and I think those games are going to stand to us down the other and find um, you know we have to have massive massive tough games and I think um, and even today it was tough it wasn't wasn't perfect um, um, I think we only scored 15 points um, in total, which we which, which we were averaging 25, 26. So that's very poor from our standards. So I think going into the Ireland final, we have homework to do, and um, we have improvements to do, which 
which is great because you know if you're going into Northern Ireland and find nothing to improve on um, you're asking yourself questions so at least today now we're over the hurdle um, we have three weeks um, a few lads went off um, injured there yeah. uh, but look I think they have three weeks to, you know, to get themselves right um, but look a massive day massive day for the parish again you, you know Club All Ireland is, is a spectacular occasion um, you know for everyone involved and Ballet Gunnar are coming with this for the last number of years they have eight, eight county finals in a row um, a, few, a few monsters but I know deep down that an All Ireland final is their goal and um, and we're on the way and, 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 and I suppose um there on our way as well so I've no doubt it's going to be a, a great game of hurling well, I'm looking forward to that you're a gentleman for giving us your time you're on the field a long time after the match thanks a million yeah, sure. TJ and talk to you during the week thanks very much thank you now on to Moonkine after their victory over Salt Hill knock Nakara. James Maher Manager or coach uh, of uh, Moonkine, Moonkine in an All Ireland final, you have to be happy. Oh yeah, Adrian, absolutely delighted. Uh, taught the lads hurl really well today. <laughs> taught the lads hurl superb today. Uh, outstanding from the first minute. Used the ball really well. Uh, worked it to the man in the best position and uh, got some great scores. Um, you know, you'd be very happy and uh, just delighted to be to be heading to Crow Park. You know. You said during the week I heard coming from the Moon King happy you were very happy with the way training went the last two weeks you had COVID over the Christmas you'd see it in the boys hurling they're on their toes today which was very different from the Leinster final they were buzzing the use of the ball the intelligence yeah. you have to give them huge credit No totally and uh, we'd say when we when we played uh, Shamrocks in the Leinster final uh, you know I would have spoke to you and, uh, and you know we probably weren't happy with preparation because of Christmas period and, and the lads uh, have, were down with a bit of COVID too like and I suppose the last Last two weeks have been really good in trend. Uh, we got some really good work into, but it was just about getting the mindset right, Ronnie, more than anything else, you know. And uh, definitely the attitude and application—it it really changed. We came into the All Ireland series; it really changed. And look, the prize for today is massive. The prize for today is to get your club into an All Ireland club final, where every club wants to be. And it's absolutely—I'm thrilled for the guys in Munkai, thrilled for the players, thrilled for the club. They're fantastic, uh, super club to work with, and players are a joy to work with too. And you can just see the support here today; it's just brilliant, you know. Leading into the game, most people would have said about the scoring record of the Moon Kaiman and the goal scored but just for today's purpose your six backs were excellent today uh, the, the backs were super um, I think Martin O'Neill uh, having Paul Henry back yeah. was, was was a real boost for us because he's able to sit in that pocket control the whole thing and he's the link man of the, for the full back line coming out but who's really good is Martin O'Neill Martin O'Neill before the game you know he was picking up Don Lachey and you know we see Don Lachey playing with Galway uh, at the moment and we, we know what he's done at minor under 21 level and you know we, tar- we, we we basically told Martin look you're marking him you're picking him up and I just thought Martin was super driving forward really you know, didn't mind who he was on but he was actually going out he wanted to win the ball he was just absolutely superb our half back line I thought was excellent um, you weren't there in 2017 but Moonkine were there in 2017 yeah. and a Cork team beat him it's Cork again it's Bally Cribbon they had a great win today Kilkenny Cork all Ireland final regardless of what it is whether it's Ludo or darts or, <laughs> or, or rings yeah. it's going to be a tough battle isn't it oh unbelievably Bally Giblin are very strong Ronnie they have uh, Marquine Dara Flynn uh, really solid set of forwards great Mun- uh, Munster final win um, over Tipperary neighbours of theirs and uh, look listen uh, we knew going in today, right, that Salt Hill would be a, 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 a proper test, you know. They, they, I, I don't think the scoreline really, you know, reflects. They, they really pushed hard at times in that in that match. But the big thing for me was that, right, get over the line today. We'll regroup now for two weeks and have a club all Ireland in two weeks' time, the, the 5th or the 6th of February. And, uh, 
you know, hopefully, yeah. hopefully we get over the line. To be fair, going into the game, we just mentioned no Willie Coogan. Willie, of course, yourself worked together as joint managers, and of course, we have to mention Niall, Ma- Niall Madden oh. to lose our captain. I mean, it's a heartache for him personally, but for the team as well. So I suppose he's going to miss out the next day. Tough on a lad, and I hope Martin Gannon is okay. Yeah, Martin. Now uh, he's standing beside me here. He, he, he's uh, hopefully he'll be okay. Um, we'll get a bit of a scan and, and, and see how things are with the leg. But uh, but look, please God, he'll be all right. Niall Madden, absolutely heartbroken for the chap because he has put in huge work over the last two years he's been our captain this year and he's led by example on and off the field he was in absolutely superb and uh, it's just uh, extremely disappointing for him Tories Cruciate there against Tara Rocks uh, he's going to be out now for a couple of months so misses out on the final but the boys know that this is uh, if they can get over the line that uh, this one will be for Nile. Now Jimmy Mar, I can't let you go today it's all about Moonkind but I just have to bring you back to yesterday Oh yeah. and the Camogie world you've entered the Camogie world and you know we saw how physical that game was but yesterday you were involved in a team called Presentation of Kilkenny in a senior college is all earned against the famed Loretto and of course going in as underdogs you have to be happy just for the minute happy with the performance down 1-4 to a point and to come back and rescue the game so it's great for that yourselves but for the girls themselves and for the school Oh listen look Ronnie the, the, the school and the presentation have been absolutely super to work with but yesterday's game we, we prepared really well for it and uh, the girls were 1-4 to a point down after 12 or 13 minutes but it just hot you know when we got them in for that water break and you know the, the spirit the fight the character attitude you know just ah they were they were superb superb and when Emma Shortle got that point with in, in injury time to level it you know I, I thought they genuinely deserved that score I, I, I said to myself that look listen we, we'll go another day we'll go with the replay and we'll take it and we'll prepare properly again for it but I, I just thought the girls were wonderful and uh, you know there was so many moments in that game yesterday uh, it was a physical encounter but like I could pick Grace Barco's block at the very end you know uh, could pick knee feeling coming out with different balls and just the use of the ball Lauren Rowland's goal and, and Emma's point at the end you know just, just super things and they were Look, we'll prepare properly for the for the for the next day, but please God, we'll uh, we get over the line. But we know, listen, Loretto are a serious outfit, and uh, you know they uh, they got a great start on us. And and look, listen, uh, just um, just delighted to have another go. Well, congratulations, first of all and most of all, on Moonkind's victory. We believe it's Saturday the fifth. It's Kilkenny <laughs> champions versus Cork champions. Jimmy yep. Maher, well done on all you're doing. Oh, thanks very much, Edric. Tom Murphy, chairman of Moonkine, must be thrilled as a Moonkine man. One to be chairman, but two to have Moonkine in an All Ireland final. Ah, yeah, it is great, Ronnie. Thanks very much. As I say, it is, it is exciting times. It's, it's after shortening the winter for us down there. Um, we're nearly through January now, like we're getting ready for an All Ireland final first week in February. It is exciting times. Um, compliments to all involved. I mean, the players, they, you know, they, they really did. We were worried. We kind of had a hangover at the county final. The Shamrocks match was a struggle, but you could see the last couple of weeks in train they were really coming back to their own, and that was great stuff today. There are times, you know, and yeah, again we have a huge travelling support. It's huge excitement down Munkine. Everyone is talking about the hurling, hurling. That's all that matters at the moment, and uh, it's great. We're just looking forward now to the build-up in two weeks' time. And as I say, there's there's no point in going up to Croke Park unless you're going to win it. So, Tom, unfortunately in 2017, that's what did happen. But the funny thing about it in a club team, you have a turnover of players. Like there's at least ten or twelve of this team didn't take part in that All Ireland 2017. There is, yeah. It's a it's a different team. It's a totally different team. And and as I say, that team that we had in 2017, we thought and we still think was good enough to win the All Ireland. But a couple of things went against us towards the end of that game, and I felt we should have win it. We left it after us. But um, this is a totally different team. Young team. 
most of them are under 21 uh, good hurlers uh, live for the hurling which is brilliant you know what I mean these lads are really into it uh, you, you don't have to worry about any of these lads stepping out of line or anything they'll do whatever they're told they're coached to, to, to the last uh, so yeah just, just a good bunch of young players that just want to play hurling Tom Murphy on behalf of all in Kilkenny congratulations to Moonkine Saturday the 5th Croke Park Saturday the 5th under lights in Croke Park what more could you ask for Ronnie good man thanks Tom Murphy we'll keep with the GEA theme here here's Leinster GEA chairman Pat Tien. some very interesting topics discussed Welcome back to Scoreline. Now joining me on the line is Leinster GEA Chairman Pat Tien. Recently, after speaking at the Leinster Convention on Monday night about the use of recreational drugs in the GEA, amongst other matters. First of all, Pat, thanks very much for taking the time, sir. No problem at all. At the convention on Monday night, you brought up the point about the use of recreational drugs within the GEA, particularly cocaine. Why did you feel it was something that needed to be spoken about now? Well, it, it was, it, I suppose I brought it up in the context more that it's society rather than the GA, but that the GA has to be mindful of the fact that our, our members make up a large, a large uh, part of society. So what I was saying is that because our players and our members are not immune to it, and it is something like um, that, that people have spoken to me about in the last number of months. And I think maybe it has become because of the lockdown. Maybe people have been been using cocaine more than they have been using, say, alcohol or whatever. And it's just to to create the awareness out there among our young people, in particular, that the the long term effects that that the, the use of such drugs have on on not only on themselves but on their families, their mental health, their physical health, and also the highlighted the, the fact like that the, the money from drugs we all know where it goes it goes to, to line the pockets of criminals the study maybe that you were referring to was the drug use in higher education institutions where 11,500 students across 21 education institutions were, were questioned. In that, they found that cocaine has overtaken the likes of ecstasy as the second most popular drug in Ireland and over one third of, of students have used it, particularly then in a GEA context when you have so many high class athletes participating in either football or, or hurling or any sporting yeah, discipline sport, yeah. it, it must be quite concerning yeah it is and it's not just uh, as I say it's not just GA any, as you say any sport because and and particularly I suppose part of, the, part of the issue might be now that they, there's so much under the spotlight uh, elite sports people that if, if they go out and have a drink or whatever people are seeing them and they're watching them and they're saying they're, these guys are out drinking or whatever but like if they go taking cocaine they're doing it behind you know they're, they're not doing it they're not doing it out in the public bar or whatever and people you know they can't be seen doing it that might be part of the part of the the reason why it's becoming a bit more prevalent um, Limerick legend Kieran Casey has spoken up about this topic too how, how important is it to have maybe an open dialogue with that because you, you, in your address you know you were urging a lot of GEA clubs to adopt a GEA club substance use yeah. protocol um, there seemed to be a lot of kind of trying to come up with a solution to the problem by well, engaging well, yeah it, well that's what it's all about it's about, it's about creating awareness and I, I know like you, you know over the last number of years there's been, there's been a lot of talk and in fairness the GPA did a lot of work in terms of gambling within within uh, GA members and, and and that has had an effect 
And I think it's it's anything when you talk about something, if you, if if you if you don't talk about it, you're not going to solve any issues, or you're not going to, to create the awareness of it. So I think it's important. It's just to highlight it. And the more you highlight something, well, it's you know if it's 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 going to stick with people. Just before we kind of move off the topic, because there's a few other things to discuss, Um, maybe uh, a lot of us mightn't have been accustomed to being around GEA culture maybe 20, 30 years ago. Was this something that would have been kind of very uncommonplace within society 20 or 30 years ago? I think so. I think I think um, twenty or thirty years ago, like thirty, thirty, thirty years ago, thirty-five years ago, like I'd be, I was, you know, in my twenties. So I was, I knew what was happening, and this definitely wasn't the culture, you know, that was going on at that stage. Definitely not. Yeah, it seems to just even in nightclubs you see people tipping away, and you you kind of have a a feel on what they're doing. So hopefully a solution or something yeah. can be can uh, can come to light uh, very very soon. Um, now, kind of moving topic, there's been discussion about the change in the undergrad system for under-20 to under-19. Of course, your own county awfully famously won the under-20 football All-Ireland last year. Would you be in favour of it? What would be the, the, the merits to or against it? Yeah, well, look, uh, there's, there's a lot of, as you said, there's a lot of debate about this, and I, I have an open mind on it. Um, and I'd be guided by, by the, the, the medical evidence on it and I think that's the important thing I think it's something we definitely do need to have a conversation about and maybe like the argument will be made that um, that we should separate inter-county from club first of all and, and look at them separately and then within it look at each county separately to see because uh, say a larger county might have a different um, an, an urban area might have a different requirement than say a, a county that's predominantly a rural, a rural area. So my view on it personally is, and I know there's going to be motions coming up at the upcoming Congress, but personally I would prefer to see uh, because there's a split season coming this year for the first time. I know we had split season last, but it, it you know, it, it's in a different a different sphere this year. That we should we should sit back and wait, and in in next October or so, have a look at the whole thing and and get all views on it, and then come up with a, a solution to it. Uh, you mentioned the difference maybe between different areas and different needs. Uh, a lot of discussion has happened in regards to the so-called smaller counties. Maybe John Canellan was quite vocal about Meath footballer. Um, it, and it just involves the Leinster Football Championship. Uh, that provincial kind of championship pales in comparison to the league. It's outdated due to the dominance of Dublin. Would you say that the detractors of the Leinster Championship um, what would you say to them and how can there be a more even playing field well, coming into play yeah I don't think anybody's detracting from it they're, they're just speaking I suppose what the facts are at the current time and at the current time there's no there's no one can doubt that Dublin has dominated but we have to be careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater because um, if if you look at it um, in, in the last um, 70 years only nine counties have won All-Ireland senior titles. Now, in the same period, uh, 30 counties have won provincial titles. So, you know, 22 of them have been won in the last... 22 counties have won provincial titles in the last 30 years. So those counties wouldn't have had an opportunity... Some of those counties wouldn't have had an opportunity to test success of any description if the provincial championships wasn't there. 
and certainly uh, not Kilkenny anyway um, in, in the football aspect uh, just as a, as a for yourself Pat what, what are the main aims that you're hoping to achieve during your time as chairman well get rid of Covid first <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, I suppose when I, when I, when I started out within Leinster, my, my, my main areas of concern is, is the provision of games, number one. And I think within Leinster, like, we have moved in, in, in a good direction in that, as I pointed out on Monday night. Like, since um, we introduced the, in 2016, since we introduced the cross-county leagues, there are over 800 additional games being staged annually across the province. And what that has meant is that counties have seen that this and count clubs then within the counties are looking for more games. So the average number of games for uh, an underage player in 2016 was eight games in his grade, right, in, in and count about league and championship before knockout. That's gone up to 11 now. And so we need to keep increasing that. Like, it's, it's all about participation and it's all about getting it. And, and we need to increase the, the, the ratio of games first training sessions, to have more games and less training sessions. And I think that's, that's hugely important. The other thing is to obviously uh, coaching in games and games development. And I know there has been a lot of talk about that and a lot of talk about um, the funding models and whatever. But like at the moment, the funding model is what it is and we work within that. And we've increased, like, in our number of, of coaches outside of Dublin from 44 to 99 in the last five years, and that's continuing to grow now. We're, we're bringing in uh, GPOs, just advertising interviews going on at the moment for games promotion officers in Carlo Leash, Offaly, Westmead, Longford and Kilkenny, which weren't part of, of the East Leinster project up to this. But, like, we're not saying at the same time, and I want to get this message across, that the, the games promotion officer is the panacea or is the answer to, to all the problems. It's not. Some, it doesn't suit every county. And that's why there are a number of other projects that are there. And our games managers, James uh, Devan and Alan Munhall, work with the counties in that they carry out a, a rigorous audit, first of all, of clubs before they determine what their requirements are. And it's it's like... I think in, in fairness within, and I can only speak in, in relation to Leinster on this, that any money that goes into coaching and games is, is well spent. And it's proven that uh, we've increased our participation rates, our membership, our uh, number of, of children taking part in sports at, at uh, schools level, the numbers in our in our cool camps have gone up year on year. So that they're they're my two main priorities. We're a games based organisation. We get we we increase participation and we get more games for our club players. Um, I think that was quite prevalent during uh, the the last two years. We know that the Camogie Association had some uh, troubles in regards to getting kind of provincial and all Ireland's played off from 2020. It was a bit of a battle. Some intermediate teams lost out, minor teams lost out on an inter-county level. But it seems that uh, the hurling of football was still striving despite not having the fan in attendance. Um, maybe listening to it on the radio, looking at it on streaming services. It seems that there was a massive effort put in to get all fixtures played there was yeah and I think there was huge cooperation um, and I suppose that's one benefit that has come out of out of, out of COVID uh, there was huge cooperation from everybody from clubs from counties from uh, provincial councils from Crow Park everything everybody worked together to try and get games played but I think there was also a realisation that 
we are we are about games. We're not about training. We're not about putting in. Now, obviously, you have to do the training, and you have to, and it, uh, particularly at intercounty level, you have to get up to a certain level, and there's strength and conditioning involved, and and, and and all that. But basically, at the end of the day, players want to play games, and that's and that's what it's about. It's about playing games. And just back to yourself, as a proud Offaly man, I'm, I'm sure you would have been happy with the underage football success and the senior hurling success last year. Do you think Offaly is in a good place both on the pitch, maybe at board level, to build, reach the heights of the 20th century in both yeah. codes rather sooner rather than later? Yeah, but look, at the same time, you have to manage expectations. And... Um, you know, hugely successful last year, but we've gone up a level now <laughs> for 2022. We're in Division 2 of the National Football League. We're in Division 1 of the Hurling. You know, so, you know, that's a huge step up for both. And I suppose the, the, the priority, I'd say, from an offering point of view for 2022 is to be competitive at those levels and then go to the next step. Like we, we have, and in fairness, I think since since the opening of the Faithful Field in Kikarmuk, uh, in, in, in 2017, yeah, 2017, the uptake in terms of young players wanting to be involved in Offaly teams, whether it be development squads or minor teams or under-20 teams, has been has been huge. Because not, not, the same as any other county before that had uh, uh, specific training facilities, when you're trying to, to get young players and you have them and the, the, you tell them to have a training session tonight in Bannerhurst, say, in Offaly, and the next thing you get a call, say, the pitches, and, and, and you have to try and contact them and they're moved to Lusmer or somewhere else, and then that's gone and the session is called off. And You know what I mean? So in Kilcormack now, we have excellent facilities there with four pitches, a gym, all weather. You know, so it's, it's, it's made a huge difference to Offaly. Yeah, we were speaking to Michael Dignan up there uh, so long ago. He seems to have very positive sentiments been shared and looking at the work of St. Michael Fenley, what he's doing with yeah. the, within the role. It just seems to be uh, quite positive and trying to get you back to the kind of upper echelons um, where awfully certainly deserve to be. Uh, tomorrow, we have two live games here as uh, Ballyhale Shamrocks take on St. Thomas, AIBGA Hurling All-Ireland Senior Club Championship semi-final. Then the junior ranks, we have Moonkine going up against Salt Hill, not in I suppose as the Leinster GEA chairman you're going to be shouting on the two Kilkenny sides oh, without a doubt without a doubt now. And, I, and I've seen both teams like I, I, I've um, so uh, Baddy Hale Shamrocks on, on three occasions this year and they're, like, they're obviously a, a formidable team and seem to be coming right at the right time like in, in their opening match against um Mount Leinster Rangers. Rangers like that, that Mount Leinster Rangers had a, had a fabulous chance you know, 10, 15 minutes from the end of a goal, it was saved, and you know that was that gone in. It would have been a very tight finish. We all know what happened against St. Rhinus then in the in in the in the semi final, and then in the they stepped it up for the 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 Leinster final in Croke Park, and when they got onto the Croke Park pitch, I think they were a different team. And assuming that Perlis tomorrow will be in excellent condition, I'd have to favour. Paddy Hale Shamrocks on that one. Moon Hine, uh, of course, beat an awfully team as well in the, in, in Shamrocks in the, in, in the final. Uh, and I was there presenting them with the cup, and I was there in 2016 when they won it as well. But I think they're, they're a different team this year than they were in 2016. They're a much younger team, a lot of under 20 players playing on it. So I think they're, 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 they're a good hurling side, and hopefully they'll come out on top tomorrow as well. 
hopefully for all of Leinster Pat you've been very considerate and kind with your time thank you so much for taking that time to speak with us today about various issues that are happening within the GEA and the wider society uh, we look forward to speaking to you again soon sir no problem at all thanks very much Leinster GEA chairman Pat Tien uh, if you were listening earlier on we discussed about uh, cocaine use drug use within not just GEA but within wider society if you or anybody you know are struggling the helpline is 1800 459 459 1800 459 459 or you can email support uh, at helpline at hse.ie lots more still to come here on Scoreline Unto the man, the myth, the legend, the scallywag himself, fresh off of RTE News the other day, Eddie Scally joined us on Scoreline to speak about the upcoming Tiestes Day. Yeah, we like we were stunned, you know, that they, they lifted the restrictions as quickly as they did. We thought it was going to be phased in, you know, um, and that's what we'd planned for. But we got kind of a call yesterday evening around about half three to tell us that it looked like they were going to announce that outdoor sporting events could go back to full capacity and indoor sporting events could also go back into full capacity. So, like, we couldn't have asked for better, you know. We had just sold out. Um, the allocation that we'd allowed was completely sold out online. So we were literally just about to take down the ticket sales and we were able to reopen them up again. So I think it's it's going to be um, bigger and better than ever, believe it or not. I actually think this is going to be one of the busiest places chases we've ever had. Yeah, the Tiestes chase that I got to experience last year was certainly not within the same kind of folklore that you would hear from such a grandiose event. Still tremendous getting to see the type of action at display very close up, but just to have the crowd back in, it certainly must add a completely different element of excitement for you coming up into this. It does, you know, I mean, like all these things, like you, you hear people saying it's <coughs> sport, sport without fans, it just isn't the same, and horse racing is no different. I mean, you know, the excitement, like I felt so sorry for Jack Kennedy last year winning on Cocoa Beach and coming back into the parade ring. Like you could hear the clap. You know, you could actually hear who was clapping. I could point across and say, oh, look, Shane's clapping. That's how bad it was, you know, with, with, with nobody there. Whereas this year, whoever's lucky enough to win the cost of yesterday's chase will come back into the roars of <clears throat> thousands upon thousands of Kenny people cheering it on. Um, so that, that that in itself is absolutely brilliant. But all the stuff that goes with it as well, you know, like like our catering firms, security firms, all of them, they, like they've all lost out so much over the last couple of years. And I'm, I'm just delighted for them and the acts that will be performing on the day, the likes of After Dark, things like that, because it is a massive social event. So time-wise, you know, I, I couldn't have dreamt of it working out better for us, to be honest. So I just can't wait for it to happen now. And speaking of, uh, you're talking about maybe the people that are employed within the industry and stuff. Um, would, are you fully prepared to come back to full capacity? Then is there is there that much appetite within the industry and people getting back out to work? Because we know in the hospitality sector and in various different sectors, they were kind of bemoaning that people couldn't come back to work. You have now an event that's after getting exponentially bigger in the space of what five six days out. So are you you're fully ready Ready to rock and all systems go. Yeah, we are. Like, like we would have had a huge amount of staff being utilised for COVID checking. So basically, checking your COVID certs on the way in, giving your wristbands, all that. So they're all gone now. We don't need any of them staff, if you know what I mean. So we can utilise them in other areas on the day, to, you know, to ensure it's a smooth run. And my catering team was set up for a full tilted. Yeah, they they were ready to go with a full tilt. So with the with the changes to the, the to, to the dimensions in, in the amount of people we can allow in, they're able to just kind of 
swivel and, and make that happen as well. But the only thing I would say is that, you know, we're going to be, we are conscious of the amount of people we're expected to have in Gorn. So, like, we're encouraging everyone to buy their tickets online. I don't want people to be disappointed. But if it does get to a point where we feel, you know, there's enough tickets sold here, we will call it sold out. Um, and that's something people need to be conscious of. Like, we, we, we were just about to announce we were sold out when the restrictions were lifted. So that kind of frees us up to allow another 4,000 people in. But then tickets have been literally flying off the shelves since yesterday evening's announcement. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked to be telling you on Wednesday that the, the, the event is sold out. And uh, hopefully that uh, if they does get sold out that the people that we have given away tickets to we've given away four sets of tickets and another two still to come kindly with thanks to Goran Park and they'll get to enjoy just a tremendous day of action speaking of the action we do have the Tiestes Chase is probably the most prominent event in Goran Racing calendar but what can people expect and when, when does it start? Yeah, we're, we're waiting on clarification on Tuesday for the first race time. I know it sounds a little bit wishy-washy, but at the moment, the first race is down to go to post at 1 p.m. If there's a divide, if there's sufficient entries, we might move the races back to half 12, so we'd say at 12.30. Um, it's a full. It's definitely going to be a seven-race card, so it could be even an eight-race card if we get that divide. So I'd, I'd ask people to keep an eye on the press on Tuesday for that. But the undercard as well, Shane, like obviously the Gosta yesterday's chase is the centre stage and the race everyone will want to see. But on the undercard, we've the Grade Two Galmoy Hurdle, which is a, a phenomenal race in its own right, and it's it, it's been a brilliant race, you know, to kind of help that whole Goss Tiestes card stand up. But this year's entries are absolutely insane. We've Album Photo, who won the Gold Cup two times in a row. Wow. We've um, Classical Dream is entering as Supreme Novice Hurdle winner. Commander Fleet, there's a huge entry in that race this year of really like class horses, and uh, I'm really excited about the Galmoy Hurdle as well. I think it could be an absolute belter this year. Um, we heard you on KCLR Live there during the week and you're talking about not just the, the, the racing event but the whole kind of pomp and circumstances that surrounds uh, Gorham Park so I'd imagine with the restriction of the APM curfew that was placed upon different kind of uh, uh, alcohol places and stuff I imagine that's going to be used great to your benefit that it's gone yeah, it is because like uh, we've spoken to an awful lot of people that were coming, you know, to to the, the to the big day, and it's it's a day out. You know, this is an event that starts at ten and a half, ten in the morning for a lot of people. Even earlier, you know, I know places in Cork and and, and Kerry that run buses every year, so they leave at kind of eight nine in the morning to go and have breakfast in their local, travel up the Gorham Park, get the races in, maybe have a drink or two after racing with us and enjoy the parties, and then bus back to their, their own places. So like the surrounding areas, the likes of the Lord Bagnell, O'Loughlin's, Clears, and Gorham. These places are going to get a serious whack out of it as well now, which is which is wonderful. And even the pubs in Thomastown would do very well from it as well. But I know myself, with us, we live all our entertainment pitched up until 6 o'clock in the evening. And then at that stage, the people will tend to descend out of Gorn. And I think it's the surrounding area, the buzz around Kenny that night, and, 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 and as I said, the Lord Bagnell and, and the likes of Clears Bar, the buzz in them places that night is just it's absolutely brilliant. It's like a, a bank holiday Saturday night, you know, a bank holiday Sunday night. So... You know, it's brilliant. I think the government time it's perfection for me anyway. <laughs> I could see the big happy head on you on RTE there. I, I, a message that came in was you had the IRFU, you had lads from the basketball, you had lads from FAI, and they were all very stone faced. And, and then you were just like a lad at Christmas, being able to tell everybody that you can uh, come to Gough Tyestes chasing their droves. 
this is it, you know, and it was like, I mean, I suppose I am a bit like a child as well, but, you know, <laughs> it, it was, and that's why this Newcastle United are after wiping the spoil off my face there now, Shane, as well. That's why I <laughs> ring you, that's why I ring you at half four, I knew it was coming up to the end of the I Leeds think, game. I think, I think you do it on purpose, it's, 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 I don't know, it's, I don't know, Leeds <laughs> through the Minter, thankfully you're still drawn nil-nil with West Ham as well, I can give you them live scores if you want, it's nil-nil in the West Ham Man U game, Leeds have just gone one-nil down to Newcastle and Brentford are losing one-nil at Wolves, but, Disaster for Leeds there again today, but no, genuinely, I, I, I really couldn't be happier. It's, it's, it's just brilliant. I really, really miss crowds at, at race meetings, and it's, it's just brilliant to have. I know we'll have a massive crowd on, on Thursday, and I know people will come in and enjoy themselves as well. I'm sure people are as eager to come back here as we are to welcome them back. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it myself, Casey. You'll already be out there as well, and being out there with a crowd is certainly going to be different from being out there with uh, just kind of the trainers and, and, and the jockeys. But, Eddie, thanks so much for your time. I'm delighted Newcastle scored while we were on the air, and I'm looking forward to getting you back on the air and the Clash Act. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to doing it myself. Hopefully now after we get Gostayeste's day out of the way next week and we start recording the Clash Act the following week as well. I can't wait to get going on that myself. If anyone's been following our journey on scoreline.ie, training with Davy Jones, we're in week three. And here's what he had to say about training me, a lazy so-and-so. More than likely than you got from sitting down most of the time in work and um, from the excessive kind of running you were doing before, I suppose, with no, no strength training and your hips and your, your your pelvis and everything, hamstrings, quads, the whole thing locked up on you a bit. And we kind of, I know it's myself there the first day with you, but actually got a bit worse, and that's kind of normal because when you start weight training, you're going to be very, very tight after the first few sessions because it's just on loot here, and you get a lot of information in your muscles and your, your joints seize up a little bit. But, yeah, something if we didn't sort out that you get like a lot more pain in your hips and your lower back and it's up now we're aware of them we're going to sort out now just by stretching and doing some mobility drills and um, you mentioned that it, it, it's probably something that gets highlighted after you're you're doing uh, your kind of workouts or whatever would you notice then if you were personal training that when muscle soreness kind of kicks in like it does after a few weeks that some people might end up kind of just putting it to the side and 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 maybe not pursuing it because of the tenderness that they might have in their muscles so would you notice that people maybe give up before their time is up in the personal program is that uh, well i suppose person training not really supposed to kind of commit to x amount of weeks so some people might not be able to go through it but more so the, the normal person who goes in maybe especially in january and starts training on an existing injury they don't even know they have and um, ends up then that causes more pain and what happens then is yeah this this hurts a lot and maybe it's not for me and then they stop but if they go to the right person and they get a person training done and they can see the the person can see then and the trainer will see that there's something wrong and like your your position was that your hips are just too tight at the moment and it's an easy fix takes a bit of time but it's an easy fix and it's just it's just um, seeing the problem and know what's wrong and know what to do from there like and when we were kind of going out through the stretches and uh, you were telling me different things in different parts uh, of my body that maybe is weaker or not um, it, it, it kind of came to 
in, back into my mind when my mother and my sister were asking me about training in Davy Jones Fitness and they always associated because of your strongman background that the gym was kind of dedicated to people that were looking to enter into strongman but what struck me when I'm over there is it's not that at all maybe 1% of it may might be designed to that but it's it's people from all walks and all different shapes and sizes that are starting off on their journey that are looking to build a bit of strength maybe looking to just aesthetically change themselves or lose a bit of uh, uh, fat so you know it, it is open to everybody exactly yeah it's probably 0.1 percent of people that do strong man it's probably just <laughs> me now at this stage really that's a big one percent though davy yeah there's only one easier left i say and uh <laughs> yeah no exactly yeah like I was saying, ninety nine percent of people is there for weight loss, you know. We have we have um athletes like runners and stuff like that and but definitely it's generally just people trying to lose a bit of weight, get a bit healthier, get a bit stronger, feel better energy wise, you know, it's 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 all that like it it's nothing to do with a strong man. It's only just that's that's my hobby. And um yes, our, our main focus is making our clients healthier and fitter and whatever they want to do, lose weight, build muscle, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, people might pick it up wrong because that's my interest and that's that's my hobby and that's what I do. But um, 10 years ago, I lost 12 and a half stone and that's, that's what got me into strongman. Initially, what was weight loss. My journey started with weight loss and then it just took kind of a bit of a curve and went towards strength sports. And yeah, but like, like you were just saying there, Shane, our, our main objective is weight loss most again and uh, people being fitter and healthier and it seems that the ethos that is shared by yourself is kind of echoed throughout your staff that's there the likes of Vinny Taylor and, and Lee They everybody kind of sings off the same hymn sheet is that something that you have particularly designed yourself to gain the best results exactly yeah and it's best results and it's it's time basically as well. Time is for the client. Like, you know, a lot of people go into the gym, waste waste a good hour of, let's say, a two hour workout in there looking at their phones, talking to their friends. You know, our PT clients, when, when they're in with us, they're working. That's it. They're, they're training and that's it. Like, you know, we, we have the crack and we have a bit of a laugh too, but do you know what I mean? You see yourself saying you're in there, you're getting stuff done. And after, even if you're only three weeks in, you're probably after starting to find a routine, like, you know, for, that's what we want our clients to be able to do is find a routine and they know what's coming and, and you know, they know what to expect but they're not kind of walking around clueless. So the main thing is get in, we show them what to do and they kind of build up their own experience from there as well and no time is wasted and they, in other words, they're getting, <clears throat> getting a much better workout from the time that they're in there for the hour that they're in there. And if people are listening, they want to they want to sign up for a ten week program. They want to go about personal training. It's all about kind of put reaching the hands out at the first time. What type of results can they expect, or is it purely based on the effort that they put in? Can you can you achieve huge results in a ten week time frame? Exactly. Well, it's it's a lot to do with the position they're in when they're coming in, how fit they are, how unfit they are. You know, but the beauty about the personal training is it's totally personalized. So anyone. We had a chap before that couldn't couldn't walk up the stairs on his first day. He was wasn't fit enough, and he ended up losing a lot of weight. And we had people lose four or five stone in in ten weeks, you know, and plenty of people over the three stone mark, like literally nearly hundreds now at this stage. But um, yeah, yeah, it's just any, anything is possible. It's just the great thing about the first training is the guidance and 
it's accountability of the sessions, right? You're going to be in here three three days a week with us. We're going to give you a plan for two or three more days doing your walk and coming in doing the cross trainer, stuff like that, you know. And obviously the, the nutrition is a big thing too, so we'll give you that. And then you know exactly what to eat, when to eat, and there's no there's no going wrong, there's no guesswork, and that's the, that's the beauty of the person training. And uh, you mentioned there the, um, the 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 nutrition side of things. Um, People that are going into fat loss generally kind of go into a behavior that is probably unhealthy and not sustainable where they go into massive calorie deficits and they might see results, but it's not sustainable. You're not teaching yourself anything nutritional-wise. Um, what struck me is that you, when you were speaking to me, you wanted me to maintain a, a quite... For me, anyway, because I went into that unsustainable lifestyle, dropping weight very quickly, you wanted me to sustain a quite big calorie intake for for what I was doing as well. So people aren't, if they're looking for fat loss, they're not going to go hungry or anything like that. No, definitely not. No, especially with yourself, Shane, from day one, you were were well able to train. So I knew, like, what could happen there if we put you on too low calories is you'd be putting too much out, basically, and not getting enough in, and then you'll crash. After a few weeks, then you'll just crash, and you'll be too sore, wouldn't have any energy, lose interest. That's no good. So we have to, like you said, look at the long game of this. And same, I say, someone coming in, let's say, that would be in the opposite situation. You, You came in to it. You're well able to go. You're young. You're fit and healthy. But someone came in and said that's a bit older. It's not not as fit or uh, a bit overweight and stuff like that. The main thing there is not to drop, drop your calories really low straight away because that that would have the same effect again. The energy would be too low. You wouldn't be able to recover from the sessions and muscles would be too sore. And there's no there's no you know great gain out of that. You might lose a little bit of weight initially and. You feel a little bit good to start, but then, like you just said, long term, you know, at the end of the day, it's not just 10 weeks. It's We want to help you educate yourself for the rest of your life where you can know what to eat, know how to train. It's not just a 10 week program where you lose X amount of weight and then, you know, you put it on, then put it back on, then let's say the next year. We don't want that. We want people to lose weight and be happy with their body weight and be happy with their, their fitness and their strength for the rest of their lives. Exactly, it kind of teaches you um, certain things going forward that you can continue to use. It's not just 10 weeks, you're gaining knowledge throughout uh, the the whole kind of workout regime and something that you can carry on with you to uh, your next workout and after the program is over. Dave, if people are liking what they're hearing, where can they get in touch? David Jones Fitness on, on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, my contact number is on there, email address, everything like that. Just and you can go to scoreline.ie check out the weekly blog week three we're on training with Davy Jones all the contact information is there Davy I'm going to be seeing you tomorrow at one o'clock go easy on me it's been a it's been a fairly rough weekend now in, in terms of just going all around the place with all the GEA okay <laughs> I'm sure we will not Davy thanks very much I'll chat to you soon Always a pleasure to work and talk with Davy Jones. Next up, Joe Sheen gives us a rundown on everything Greyhound Racing.
Well, it's an absolutely massive night of action in the Greyhound Racing World tonight and plenty of local interest to shout home in Shelburne Park tonight. We have the big one, the RCETS Gold Cup Open 5 to 5 goes to post in Shelburne Park tonight and plenty of local interest to support here. As we said, a whopping, whopping prize fund of €40,000 for this one. We are through to the quarterfinal stages and kicking it off in the first heat of tonight's quarterfinals. Trap 1 in the first Heat Zoom, owned by a massive syndicate, the Club of Champions Syndicate, led of course by Gavin O'Mahony, a brilliant sponsor at our local Kilkenny track, and trained by the Conaghy men, Mert Lahey and his fantastic team and family Zoom. I'm sure they'll be hoping for big, big chances tonight. Going from trap one, he put in a big shift last week to qualify and finish third. It's only a four runner event this first heat, as unfortunately, our other local. Connected Greyhound Slippy Hazel has been sold after her phenomenal win last week. Another one trained by Mert Lahey, so she does not run tonight. And Trap 6 Epic News was meant to run, but unfortunately picked up an eagle during the week and will not make the first tee tonight. So only four runners, so I'm sure our local hope Zoom has a massive chance of making it through to next week's Gold Cup semi-finals. In the second heat, Mert Lahey continues his runners tonight with stories direct running from the stripes for the ZS Syndicate and this one has been very very consistent for the Lahey Kennel did very very well to qualify last week finishing second by two and a half lengths and has a big chance tonight from trap six it's a very very tough race though with the likes of Droopy's Good in trap one and Hawkville Ozark for young trainer Jamie McGee but Stories Direct has a big chance of getting at least two qualifiers through to the semi-finals for the local Connie and Mert Lahey and his team and Third heat, we have the Cheltenham Festival winning trainer and multiple Greyhound Classic winning trainer, Paul Hennessy. He is a runner in the Black Jacket of Trap 4, owned, of course, by the, the well-connected Liam and John Boyle, who are connected, of course, to Boyle Sports bookmakers. This Boyle Sports bingo has been a fantastic servant, winning 13 times, 65 races. And Paul Hennessy, well, he knows how to train good horses and he knows how to train even better Greyhounds. And Boyle Sports bingo has to have a massive chance tonight in our third quarterfinal in the same heat Vanderbilt runs for trainer Carl Ramsbottom of course who runs a lot of his greyhounds in our local Kilkenny track in fact he came second in the private trainers list in 2021 with 20 wins in Kilkenny track so we were wishing all those locally connected greyhounds the very very best of luck tonight and last but not least our favourite for this year's Gold Cup Good Cody owned by the Kennedy family whose father John comes from Erlingford and trained by Patrick Elfoyle, the Irish Derby winning trainer, I'm sure good Cody will have a massive, massive support. He has 28-15 on his card when he won the Kingdom Derby down in Tralee. Good Cody has a massive, massive chance for the Kennedy family tonight in Shelburne Park. Elsewhere last night, we had a level race card at our local Kilkenny track and some very, very impressive performances, especially from some younger types. The likes of High Fields Queen for the Ramsbottom family winning in 29-52, only July 20 Wilp, so quite young. In the second race beauty quick step one in 29 28 for margaret and birdie barrett and of course trained by david flanagan in the fifth race vegas honey well i wouldn't mind a trip to vegas myself came home for the very very funnily named tell the bishop nothing syndicate trained locally by michael donnelly making it two wins from five in a t- quick time of 29 20 
Elsewhere in the card, we had the quarterfinals of this year's RCETS A3525 in Kilkenny, and that brought about some cracking action last night at our local track, Clondotty Parik, winning the first quarterfinal in a very, very slick time of 29.02 for the Schlieverda Syndicate. So I'm sure that Syndicate will be hoping for this fella to go a long way in this one. And a very, very special mention to our next winner. Apex Hunter winning six races on the trot a phenomenal phenomenal achievement for Stuart Cavanagh the owner and trainer of Apex Hunter six wins on the bounce what a strike rate unbelievable and well done to all connections of that one as he progresses through to next week's semi-finals in the third quarterfinal Condor Maisie won in 29-14 impress- impressively for owner trainer Carl Shinkwin and last but not least Belly Buck Bella won in 29.02 our last quarterfinal for Pat Carroll and trainer who has been mentioned on this slot so many times Mark Lahey very very well bred bitch this one belly back Bella and only a May 20 well, so quite young so those ones will progress through to next week's semi-finals down to 12 in the RCETS A3525 in Kilkenny and in Shelburne Park tonight plenty of local action to look forward to in this year's Gold Cup 40,000 euro prize fund as you said elsewhere in Kilkenny the McCallmon Cup well it's looming large it's starting on the first week of March so only a couple of weeks away and also we'll have our first sales meeting of the year in Kilkenny a couple of weeks after that towards the end of March so plenty of action to look forward to both local in Kilkenny but especially in Shelburne Park tonight where Mark Lahey and his kennel and also the Kennedy family look to gain honours in this year's 2022 RCETS 40,000 euro prize fund Gold Cup Anybody that knows me knows I love pro wrestling so getting to speak to over the top wrestling owner Joe Cabray was truly a privilege here's what he had to say Welcome back to Scoreline with myself, Shane O'Keefe, here until 6 o'clock. Anyone that's been listening into the show over the past few years will know that any chance that I get to wax lyrical about professional wrestling, I certainly will. We've interviewed Carlo wrestlers, we've interviewed so many people over the past while, podcasters, but now it's time to talk to the godfather of Irish wrestling, the owner of Over the Top Wrestling, Joe Cabrera. Joe, thanks very much for taking the time, sir. Thanks for having me. Uh, Joe, massive weekend that is too Two years in the making. Scrapper Mania 6 coming up March the 12th. Going back those two years, there was such a stellar lineup. John Moxley was the AEW champion at the time. And then devastation hits, lockdown comes in, Leo Varadkar makes his announcements, and you were one of the first live events that truly suffered from it. Yeah, I think we uh I think they made the announcement on I think maybe the Thursday and our event was supposed to be the Saturday, so yeah, as you said, it was sold out. Yeah, John Moxley and uh, everything got cancelled. But uh, we're on the start of a big rebuild, so uh, things are looking promising. With uh, you know, hopefully the restrictions will be a lot easier for people by March twelfth. So uh, full steam ahead. Uh, speaking of that rebuild, um, we've seen throughout the years that many of the people that watch wrestling now, whether it be WWE, AEW, kind of on a, a big television companies many of those wrestlers have passed through the doors of OTT and stepped on the Emerald Isle to wrestle for the company but they have gone up against some of Ireland's best and you're talking about a rebuild there seems to be this new influx of Irish talent that maybe haven't been seen before on such a grandiose scale of the national arena yeah there's uh, so much uh, homegrown Irish talent and I always say it myself like if you look at the size of our country and 
the fact that wrestling has been, you know, an independent wrestling scene has only been alive in Ireland for, you know, less than 20 years. And look at the talent that Ireland have produced, like Seamus and Becky Lynch and Finn Balor and, you know, all these guys and Jordan Devlin, they all got their start on the, uh, you know, for the most part, the Irish independent wrestling scene. So, as you said, we've had some of the biggest stars from Kenny Omega to, you know, the Young Bucks to, uh, you know, some of the best homegrown Irish talent as well. Um, so it's a place to see the future um, of Irish wrestling and also, you know, the, the top indie stars that are on their way to, you know, WWE or AEW, as you said. And sometimes it works the other way. Some guys that have been through the WWE system and probably some people would remember them from the glory years of the Attitude Era. Uh, they come back into uh, OTT. Scotty Too Hotty, some people would remember him for his run with Rikishi, Grandmaster Sexy. You've worked with him before on American Wrestling Rampage. He's recently left NXT. He's now going to be at Scrapper Mania as well. Yeah, um, so, you know, from the Attitude Area, I think it's important to kind of cater to those fans as well. So, with, with Scrapper Mania, we like to have something for everyone. So, you have kind of like Scotty Too Hotty for kind of the lapsed wrestling fan and then you have people like Shane Strickland and Mark Haskins who are into the current kind of indie style of wrestling. So it's just a great night of entertainment. You know, there's blends of unbelievable athleticism and then you have like blends of comedy as well. So it's just uh, we try and put something out there for everybody. Uh, speaking of maybe blends of comedy, you have this long-running grudge with a man known as Be Cool. You were st- set to step into the ring two years ago. Has that kind of cooled the boats and cooled the jets now, or should we be expecting to see Joe Cabrera back in the tights again? I don't know. I have no real aspirations to get back in tights on a full-time, on a full-time kind of level. Um, but uh, I don't know. I've been feeling quite good. Uh, as much as Be Cool does does annoy me, I, I do have a lot of time for him, so uh, you never know. Maybe if he needs a tag partner at some point, I might step up. <laughs> and I feel that's quite commendable as well, because the name Joker Bray, you're, you've went through the WWE system, you were an NXT superstar, you've been wrestling for so long. When you're talking about a rebuild, a lot of people might kind of look at themselves and say, I have the experience and I have the name value, but you're really kind of putting your trust into guys like LJ Cleary, into people like Martina, who was a name beforehand, Scotty Davis, all these amazing talents that Ireland have are, are currently producing. You're kind of putting your faith in them, and I think that's quite commendable uh, for someone who is looking for that rebuild, not to rely on the name value of themselves that they would bring. Yeah, um, I just have always kind of felt that the uh, Irish independent talent is, is, is some of the best in Europe. But uh, above all, as well, they're they're very hungry. They're uh, they, you know they want it the the, the the crop of Irish talent that's out there. And you know we just relaunched the uh, the School of Irish Wrestling. Um, we have a new place in Cookstown, which is based in in Dublin. Um, and even the young people that have come through for the beginners class are just uh, you know there's just so much energy. So I think the next ten years or so of Irish wrestling is in. Uh, I was just about to ask if if someone is listening in and like where do these superstars get created and it all starts in 
somewhere like the school of uh, professional wrestling that you, that you're operating now. I've seen the the facilities. It looks absolutely tremendous. It was a long way from when I started training in Baldoyle with uh, Irish Whip Wrestling that yeah. long ago. But if people in Kilkenny and Carlow are listening and think it's it's not obtainable, I could just point to Angel Cruz, who's had a, an amazing successful run with Over the Top Wrestling. He's a Carlow native. Clayton Long um, with Club Rock Shandy is currently pursuing his dream. I believe he was on a few contender shows with yourself. So it truly is yeah. a, an open, accessible thing for people to be able to realistically get in the ring for Over the Top Wrestling or any other company within uh, Ireland and beyond. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I was breaking in, you know, there wasn't any uh, there wasn't any wrestling school, so we had to kind of create the first uh, wrestling school uh, in Dublin many years ago. But yeah, I mean, it, but it's all about, I suppose, putting the time in and spending the time in the car or the bus or whatever transport you use and, and putting the hours in. But the uh, rewards at the end of it are, are you know, amazing. I, I, I was talking to uh, Session Martina there, uh, pre-COVID and I just had a look at her diary and I mean she was in Japan one month she was in LA the next month she was in Australia the following month and this is all kind of you know paid travel and she's getting to travel the world for free and, and entertain so um, you know there's some uh, amazing opportunities a lot of our Irish talent as well are traveling abroad as well to perform in other countries which is uh, it's great to see it's a uh, we're in good hands, you know. Yeah, I've seen LJ Cleary go up against the Lucha Brothers, who were former AEW Tag Team Champions. I've seen Scotty Davis go up with the legend that is Jushin Thunder Liger, all in an OTT ring. Um, yeah. Scrapper Mania suggests the name is almost like a WrestleMania for over-the-top wrestling, but to get to a WrestleMania-style event, you need a lot of shows as well. You came back with a bang. You probably utilised uh, Belfast quite a bit as well because you do tour quite a bit. You did have a Waterford sc- show scheduled for further southeast, do you have any plans to, to maybe step outside Dublin or, or Belfast and expand? You've been in Wexford and Galway before, Limerick also. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a show set for Limerick, I think, April 3rd. So, yeah, um, it's just been hard, you know, planning events with restrictions because you can't really place a time on some of these events because you don't know if we're still going to go to the 8 o'clock uh, you know, close time and stuff. So um, as soon as we get the, the green light and the restrictions are lifted, I think that's when we're going to look at uh, getting back into all these towns that we missed. But, um, you know, for right now, we're looking at Belfast, Limerick, Dublin, and Wexford as our places right now. And then we're going to absolutely, you know, try and expand all over the country uh, towards the end of the year, hopefully. And the everything kind of leads now, though. We can speak about Wexford and Limerick and Belfast, but everything leads back to the National Stadium. Once again, over 2,000 people I've seen fill out that place for so many amazing events. It looked like it was on course for this to be something to be regularly run as opposed to these massive shows, but it looked like everything was leading that way. But this is the first step into getting back to that kind of world-famous National Stadium, selling it out a lot of stars announced do you have anything else up your sleeve for it? No absolutely uh, this is just the start uh, so yeah we're a lot of people working hard behind the scenes to uh, keep the poster being updated so yeah as the announcements are made uh, it'll be made across social media but yeah there's definitely more to come on this 
Well, we're, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be there in the third row. I won't say front and centre, but I'll be in the third row because tickets have gone quite quickly for the best seats in the house, but every seat in the National Stadium is absolutely fantastic. You can go check it out over the top wrestling, OTT underscore wrestling on Twitter, or you can go to eventbrite.ie over the top wrestling presents Scrapper Mania 6 weekend, the biggest event in the wrestling calendar here in Ireland. Joe Cabret, thanks very much for taking the time, sir. Thanks for having me. Lots more still to come here on Scoreline. From one squared circle to the other, we caught up with Paul Town Boxing, Ollie O'Neill, on the passing of Hall of Famer Noel Kyo, the man who set up Clara Boxing Club in 1977 and moved into Marble City, the city of Kilkenny. It is a city to set up Marble City Boxing. Welcome back to Scoreline with myself, Shane O'Keefe. Now, some sad news happening during the week. Uh, just a huge, integral part of boxing within Kilkenny, with the Marble City, Clara, Mr Noel Kyo passing away. Incredibly sad news. Joining me now on the line is Ollie O'Neill from Paulstown Boxing Club. Uh, Ollie, thanks very much for taking the time. Uh, no bother at all, Shane. No bother. A very, very sad time. Uh, a great gentleman of boxing has passed away. A man, a fountain of knowledge about boxing, his organisation skills is unreal, and he's just done everything for him before boxing, the legal clinic, and Leinster, and Ireland as well. You know, he was on the Central Council Boxing Council, he was on the Leinster Boxing Council, he was on the legal clinic, the board, every position he held, you know, he held with great esteem. A, a true gentleman he was. And, oh, that's all I'm saying, yeah. and, and and boxing over the, the the past few years has obviously seen these different types of uh, changes and different types of styles and uh, kind of different training methods. Uh, Noel would have been someone that kind of went through many eras of boxing. When was the first time that you would have met him? Well, I bet Noel, I'd say, Shane, uh, could be, I'd say, about 40 or 50 years ago, believe it, uh, I was only a human child. And uh, I remember they brought us over to Scotland in 1982 uh, on a trip over there, and he many a trip we went to Noel since then, believe it or not, Shane. And he brought, I knew him was a young boy, and I, I know my sons, they all went on a box for Leinster and Ireland, and Noel was always a great supporter, and he always pushed to get the boys on the scenes. And people from uh, every club, Boston, Cannon, or in for any club that was local, and I saw no other thing do his living best to get to get him on the trips, you know, and to, get, to do his living best for the whole the whole team. He was a very very good man over the years. I remember when I was on a young boy boxed up in Clara, and uh, you know, obviously he put, put me on the show. I was delighted to get the fights, and he was a true gentleman. And myself and all, and, and uh, John Hickey and Jim Lynch and several other people, which we organised the fights for these in Kenny Carroll Championships and these. And all the people down my house, several occasions, and then we were drawn up programmes and everything. He was a very, very good man. Absolutely gentleman he was. And like yourself, he was heavily invested within the kind of whole industry. You mentioned there holding positions in leash um, in the Kilkenny Carlow County Boxing Board, a founder member of Clara Boxing Club, Marble City Boxing Club. Was it always this kind of drive from him like to continually improve boxing within the area? Would you would it have been an infectious thing? It obviously rubbed off on you in, in some way back from 1982. 
I'm sure he was, Shane. He was he just loved to see the local clubs going well. He was and he was always fully supportive of every club, trying to keep kids going into the clubs and he loved the boxing and he travelled all over Ireland, which I many think we went to Donegal and Post Lords was up one time, several times, up to Donegal with teams in the Galway and oh he was a great organization man. Yeah, you know he went to Scotland, as I said before. When you know, he just loved the boxing. He actually had an absolute passion for, for boxing, and uh, and for supporting all the clubs as well. He was absolute. Uh, he was genius now for organising stuff. Uh, I have to say, I never see a man as good as him now. He was absolutely brilliant for all the clubs, and he started that club up in Clara, and then he went on. They went to the Good Shepherd Centre to have the see and look at the club they have now. Fully behind all that, yeah, a fantastic club to have now in, in the old swimming pool. You know, he's a brilliant man for boxing. So I couldn't say enough about how good he was. And I think it's something, Shane, it was a, you wouldn't be a better friend either. He was a great gentleman to everyone. And the boxing community all over Ireland now, there'll be more than a great patriot of boxing. No, he said there wouldn't be. And I suppose when you you, you mentioned the, the the club that was in the old swimming pool there, Marble City Boxing, I suppose that's probably one of his biggest lasting legacies. Oh, I surely know. Or it's changed. What he's known as a top, top man that organised stuff like that. that. That's a fantastic facility to have now. You know, it's a state art. You can put three rings up in it. You know, you've got a whole championship leagues or anything you want in it. No, no, was fully behind all that, along with his sons and his grandson now, of course. You know, they're, they're great boxing people, they're great boxing family. You know, and they're all fully supporting all. So, he wouldn't say enough about the man. He'd be a, a big last in the local area for boxing now, or for a shocking loss. Yeah, it's a, a incredibly sad time for the boxing community, for the sporting community within within Ireland. Um, Noel's lasting legacy it, it will be felt throughout the, the, the Irish boxing industry and hopefully the people of Marble City Boxers Kilkenny Carroll uh, Leash Boxers will continue to do him proud over the next coming decades and uh, not even years next coming decades so the, Ollie do you assume now the role of the elder statesman in the boxing community then? <laughs> oh, I would say that now we have Paddy Brizzle that's older than, and, and Jimmy was a kind of horse pusher. As well as I'm pushing on every two cents. But, uh, but no, we keep the boxing going and we love the boxing. And it's great for all the children around the local areas. And we do our living best to keep Noah's memory as long as we can go on. That's all we can do, Shannon, for the man that was there. And I know he'd love that. He loved the boxing, so he did. And, you know, it's a very lazy to him to, to keep the boxing going for him, you know. Well, Ollie, thanks very much for your time. No doubt we'll be talking about kind of happier news coming out of the Kilkenny and Carlow boxing area very, very soon, as we generally do. But thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you very much, Shane. I'm for the boxing. Thank you. Absolute gentlemen, Ollie O'Neill talking about just uh, the incredibly sad news that came out uh, yesterday in regards to Mr. Noel Kyo. An absolute gentleman, and as Ollie says, a great boxing man. Stick around here on Scoreline. There's lots more still to come. Noel Kyo will surely be missed. 
that's it for Scoreline today you can catch us live every Saturday and Sunday from 2 to 6 all the post-match reactions will be live and don't worry we got you covered here on Scoreline Extra you can go back listening to those matches on our other podcast Big Game Live until then stay safe stay sane you're sound out <laughs> <laughs>